You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 105. Today's Thursday, June 22nd, and we got a great show ahead, taking a look at some mid-season prospect updates. It's that time of year where the free agents that are not prospects tend to feel a little bit stale. You probably rostered half of them already. And now we're kind of seeing a new wave of exciting prospects. Uh, Some pitchers, some hitters. So we're going to get into the ones who are recently promoted, do a little bit of a deep dive on some names, and then get into guys that are a little bit more in the prospect stash area. So very excited, very useful, actionable, and Probably about a dozen names we're going to rattle through, but Steve, very much looking forward to it. Uh, It's been a long day for me. I'm reeling a little bit from a concert last night. I know you got the big move coming up. Uh, Life's life's moving for us. How's it going? Yeah, good. I was literally taking down my shrine of three TVs on the wall. uh, I'm going to have to go the next 48 hours without... uh, TV or having three baseball games at, at once, much to probably my wife's uh, amusement that that won't be going on. But hey, she's a TV head too, so that's gonna that's gonna stink for her too, not having a you know the Netflix shows to watch. But we'll survive. But yeah, uh, on the video that you could see, there's literally boxes and everything behind me. So been a bit of a hectic week for me too, but uh, some baseball carrying us through it, and excited to talk about some prospects. I think I think we do this each year and had kind of checked in and I don't know it seems different this year it seems like even though the rules changed last year with the sort of the enticing teams to bring players up on opening day but even beyond that it just seems like teams are bringing up guys as soon as they need them yep um, and following more of that Braves and Dodgers model um, although the Braves and Dodgers are a few of the guys that just teams that have just promoted these guys but uh, you know that they're, they're good organizations so I think you know it's a copycat league you'll start to see teams being more aggressive especially with their pitchers too uh, but hey there's been I mean look at the Reds there's not only the big name like Elliot Ella Cruz but Matt McLean Spencer Steer are all impact rookies so it's been a great year for for prospects and rookies so um, excited to, to get down into it and break down a few of these guys yeah I, I think it's a it's a really good note and we almost have to temper expectations a little bit because on one hand, I feel like there's been a lot of kind of pop-up rookies um, that, you know, it's found money and, and ones that we didn't expect to be as successful as they are. And then there's, you know, it's easy to forget that somebody like Brandon Fott was, you know, very top of our stash list. And then, you know, that completely implodes and we, we tend to, I don't know, I guess overlook some of the the misses as well. So, you know, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But I I think the idea is that there's very few options that offer the ceiling that some of these guys do, uh, even if the floor could completely bottom out. So, yeah, I I think that's a a good setup and and we'll get into some names. I think just going through some uh, updates here. You know, I, I, Steve, I feel like from the Discord and from just everywhere around the community, I know we got some some shares of uh, Eovaldi. He's on my my best ball team. He's certainly not a rookie, far from it. But uh, Eovaldi with the velocity dip. I mean, are you are you hitting the panic button on that one? Because uh, I'm a little nervous because I have several shares and what to make of his velo being down. What was it? I think a couple miles per hour, right? Yeah, I know we don't do like news and notes since it's like a weekly show and we kind of try to have broader topics, but there's just been a lot of discussion. I know Nick tweeted about it. There was a lot of discussion I was talking about with a few other people in the Discord about how concerned they are. Should you be selling Nate Ovaldi? And I think the bigger concern other than last night where he averaged, you know, 93.8, I think, with this fastball, which is down like two miles an hour, um, the the bigger concern is that it's been a steady decline over the last four starts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was pushing back a little bit. I do not have any Nate Eovaldi shares, uh, unfortunately. So this is from, uh, you know, uh, 
one, not a doctor, uh, and two, an unbiased, you know, I'm not rooting for or against the Evaldi in any way. Um, but I was pushing back a little bit because he still went six innings. He was still somewhat effective. I mean, he gave up like a two-run homer to Eloy Jimenez, which is, you know, that's something that could have happened when he was at the peak of his game uh, this year too, right? Um, and the other starts have still been really good. So I know it's been a, a slight decline. It's a concern. It's a precursor for injury. But he hasn't had any starts where he's been pulled in like the third inning. Um, you haven't heard anything about him, you know, getting an extra day of rest. Like, yes, it's concerning. And yes, these velo readings and baseball savant and pitcher list have these amazing velo charts that, you know, can show a steady decline. But, you know, five, ten years ago, we wouldn't have noticed this at all. And it could just be the normal ebbs and flows, especially with a guy that has this much mileage on his arms, right? Uh, on his arm, right? Uh, this could just be part of a, a, a normal ebb and flow of, 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 of the season. I know you can look back so far with his velocity and see the trends there, but there could be something as simple as dead arm going on here. Um, so I was kind of just pushing back on, you know, essentially just selling for whatever you can get now with Ivaldi because honestly he's been one of the best pitchers in the league, and I think that even if you do get – 60 to 80 cents on the dollar like you could be kicking yourself in a few starts if his velo starts to turn back up or even if it stays where it is and he's still getting you know sp1 like results like there's i think yes it's risky to hold on there could be something else going on here but until there's actually an official note i wouldn't be super super worried i know yeah sure you kind of want to get ahead of ahead of the curve and if you sell something now and then he's out for the year, two weeks, like, you know, you look smart, but that's like threading a needle that, you know, if you play like that, this game, you play, if you play this game like that, like you're never going to thread the needle perfectly all the time and you're going to get burned one way or the other. So mm-hmm. I don't like to do that. Like, yes, it would stink if he's hurt and misses extended time, but Hey, maybe he won't be hurt or maybe it's just like a minimum IL stint and you're kicking yourself for trading one of the best pitchers in the league uh, when you shouldn't have. Yeah. My what came to mind for me because we were talking a lot about his velocity in the spring, and I think he was like what touching ninety eight. It was a huge story yeah. in spring training. I remember somebody pointing out, and I just pulled up the chart that last year we actually saw the velocity decline as well month over month to where like April May he was averaging like ninety seven miles per hour on his fastball, and by July it was down to ninety four point seven. Uh, and then 94.2, and then it ended at 94 in September. So it did kind of tail off similarly. So I think I'm a little bit less, I mean, I know it's a little bit lazy to just say this might be what we saw last year, but I'm less screaming injury and more just wondering if, you know, the the velocity comes down because we're talking about a 33-year-old pitcher. You know, can he keep the production just from being kind of a pitcher's pitcher and, and kind of gaming batters. I'm trying to look at his splits from last season when that velocity did dip. Yeah, so like Yeah, April, and he wasn't April, he wasn't May, the pitcher June. he was, I guess, right? Like he had it was only 102 innings, I mean, or 109 innings, close to a strikeout an inning, a 387 ERA like mm-hmm. still not that bad though like right well like, in august when his velocity was down yeah. he had three starts at 295 era um yeah. and just about a strikeout per inning so yeah i'm not hitting the panic button but it's 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 worrying and i don't think it's a, a terrible idea to to sell high just because sure he selling high already, absolutely yeah because yeah. He, he he already was a sell high you know so i think it's a good I, I was more yeah. talking about you know there was an example in the discord like Bryce Miller for Eovaldi. Like, no, yeah. like I like Bryce Miller as much as the next guy, but you know, you, you gotta, you have an SP one here in, in Eovaldi. Like you would hope that Bryce Miller could put up one month right. of what Eovaldi has done thus far. But I'd be open to like a Logan Webb or a George Kirby, sure. like someone sure. up in that SP two range, if uh, if possible. I know Eovaldi's been great, but he is. You know, he, he comes with risk, and yeah. I think, yeah, he's... He I guess that's also a good yeah. point to consider. There is more 
of an injury history with Eovaldi too. So right. that, that's a, a point well taken too. I just don't don't sell for fifty to eighty cents on the dollar. I guess is all my point. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we're getting close to kind of that second half of the season talks, and Eovaldi will be a good one. And that's probably a nice segue, Steve. Before we get into our rookies and prospects for the year, and I think that conversational kind of feed right into this but we did want to talk about if you guys have been tuning in to the the podcast network uh you know i know that some other shows have talked about the sponsorship that we now have with underdog fantasy so just kind of a quick hit on this steve because it's pretty exciting uh you know to to have kind of the the formal sponsor there but underdog great app you guys can download it and it has kind of that some of the daily fantasy matchups and everything but really the feature tournament that they have from now up until all-star break you can kind of sign up and get into drafts is called the seventh inning stretch tournament and it's seven dollars to enter first bit first place gets a thirty thousand dollar grand prize but there's like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars of prizes throughout this seventh inning stretch tournament on underdog and it sounds like a lot of fun steve i know we're going to get into it and do like probably an actual show that focuses yep. on this second half uh you know, fantasy format, but the idea that it's a best ball draft, uh, and for people who aren't familiar, that's where you draft a team, but then you don't have to do any of the maintenance in terms of setting the lineup or anything like that. It just optimizes for your best team based on the stats that week. Um, so there are 12 team leagues. You get all the fun of doing an actual draft, especially if you're feeling like you're out of the playoff race and your home leagues or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, kind of an interesting format in terms of like the roster makeup, uh, the points. I know we'll get into it deeper, but uh, Steve, I'm I'm pretty pumped about this, man. I know it's like, uh, you know, it's it's part of the the show gig that we 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 talk about underdog, but also it's like a great way for us to you know relive some of the the banter and joy of like getting a new team midway through the season. Yeah, absolutely. We always talk about how fun like draft season is. Uh, I mean, we talk about how fun every part of the season is, even when like the off season the dog first starts and we start to prep for the the next season. So you know, we're we're a bit crazy like that, but yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. Like even even the contests that they just have each day, where you can get back into a draft. Like, yes, I love DFS too. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that's great too. But it, it's it's awesome to have a a draft aspect um, again because that's it's just so fun to to be in a room drafting even yeah you're on the uh, clock for, for yeah. yeah for for a dfs tournament and then for for this second half tournament like i cannot wait like this is like we will say what league we're in like you know whatever listeners can join like we'll do you know we'll try to get whoever wants to be in a league with us like you know it, it's going to be super fun and i think the fact that you know it, it's a tournament that lasts several rounds in a few weeks like that's really cool too, like to have this second sort of draft season um, for us to be able to go out and talk about and 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 play and I I, I think is super exciting. So uh, I'm really pumped. It's, it's it's awesome that you know Underdog sponsoring uh, the show and the network. So uh, I can't wait personally. I'm going to definitely be playing in the seventh inning stretch tournament and a few more uh, from from here until then. Uh, I think it's a, a super fun way to get that mixture of the draft season that we love so much. Like we, we talk about it, like it's, you know, it, it's so exciting when the season starts, but like once draft season is over and you're, you're kind of done, it's, you, you miss it just cause it's a fun time of year. So to be able to get that aspect, I think is, uh, is awesome. And I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, and for listeners, I mean, you guys can download the app and then when you place a deposit, be sure to use the code pitcher list, all one word pitcher list. And you can receive up to a hundred percent deposit match, uh, up to a hundred dollars. So, yeah, again, if you if you go in, deposit a hundred bucks, they'll match up to a hundred, which is great for you to play kind of the the daily or nightly matchups. But then also it can go toward fun things like the seventh inning stretch tournament. So, yeah, that's Underdog Fantasy. Just some kind of disclaimers that go with that. Must be 18 years or older, 19 in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 plus in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 
H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's Hope N-Y. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. But yes, we will uh, stay keep you guys posted on, on Underdog, and hopefully you guys can kind of ride the wave with us as we get a little mini uh, start of the season, a second lease on life. So very excited about that. But without further ado, let's get into the rookie names, Steve. And the first one, it felt sizzling on the rundown when we wrote Gavin Williams. I think we got some cold water on it already as tonight against the Athletics, a super tasty matchup there. I don't know about you, Steve, but I grabbed him in my home league. I was quick draw McGraw, super pumped about it. And he goes out and gives up a, a four-run third inning against the A's, courtesy of a, a three-run bomb on a, a hanging pitch right in the zone. But he did get four strikeouts. He kind of settled down after that. I think he had like a three single-digit pitch innings in a row. So he was working really efficiently. Um, I don't think you can count on that necessarily, but uh, he did settle down to his credit, um, almost made it out of the sixth inning. In terms of kind of the 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 under-the-hood stuff, only seven whiffs on 84 pitches, definitely not what we were hoping for. The fastball did touch 98. It sat 95.5. Uh, and that's important for Williams because he is definitely a fastball first guy. I know there were some comparisons to Bryce Miller with how much he leans on that. Um, he did mix in some other pitches tonight as well. But overall, give me the the take on Gavin Williams, how excited you are. Because this feels like, you know, probably prospect pitcher number 10 that's come up that we've been really excited <laughs> about. But at the start of the year, he felt like he was just if not in the Mount Rushmore of pitching prospects just outside of it. So it is a big one. Yeah, I feel like it was like him and Yuri Perez that were like the two biggest names as far as like upside. But um, I think that three-run homer was by my boy uh, Ryan Noda there too, which is uh, nice for our, our, our dynasty league there too. Um, yes, sir. He was stashed in, in my home league in uh, where we have two minor slots. He was, I think, drafted um, and held um, – and, and rightfully so, or or added super super early, um, in the season. Um, honestly, I'm encouraged. And if there is anyone who you know, to quote you, uh, is a quick draw McGraw and doesn't like that they gave up four <laughs> runs to Oakland and you know churn and burn and add a stream for for Williams and over the weekend, like selfishly in places that I don't have him, I'm kind of glad that this happened. Uh, maybe it'll keep fab bids down in NFBC leagues a little bit. I doubt that just because uh, of the prospect type and all the sharp names that play NFBC. Like they're not going to be too, too um, scared off by this, especially because it was really uh, the one home run, one bad inning. Um, but yeah, I find it hard to trust pitcher debuts both ways. Like if they go really well, or if they go really poorly, not that this is super, super poor. I guess it was pretty disappointing considering it was the A's, but guys are so hyped up. Like, you know, they could outperform because they have a velo bump from the adrenaline. They could, you know, uh, be nervous and, and, and have, uh, you know, um, nerves and, and jitters that they normally wouldn't have and might not have the second start. Once they get more acclimated with the majors, they, they could be a lot better. So, it, it, it's kind of a you know anecdotal but I, I tend to fade the results for both ways for for um, for both pitchers like for Emma Chien too like I watched that start like yes it was six no hit innings I think six shutout innings right um, there was a few balls that you know that the defense was placed really well and made some really nice plays so like you know it, it's hard to you don't want to get too excited for for the six out of the things. You also don't want to get too upset with the four runs versus Oakland for Gavin Williams. But that being said, I think you know the fastball is amazing, um, and when you have something like that that probably has better secondaries than a guy like Bryce Miller, um, I'd still be all in on Gavin Williams. And if anyone drops him anywhere after that disappointing first start, I would be all over it. Yeah, the, I think the walk rate's something to keep an eye on. He did have yeah. three walks uh, today, and I know that had ticked up in AAA compared to AA for Williams. But, yeah, I agree, Steve, and it's a really good point not to overreact one way or another. I, like, yeah, the adrenaline is so huge. It's like, I don't know, Ryan Weathers, I remember getting super fired up because he had, like, a no-hitter going against the Dodgers or something, and then it's like, no, that he's not, you know, the next Cy Young 
just because he, he has a good showing. And then conversely, for something like this, there's just a lot of nerves. It's a big moment. The good news for Williams and Williams managers is he had the A's tonight. His next starts lined up are the Royals, the Cubs, and the Royals again. So it should be a really nice uh, stretch in terms of opponents. And if he doesn't get through that run with some better results, then I might be singing a different tune because, yeah, I'll give him a pass tonight. But if you can't have a, a you know eye-popping outing against the Royals uh, when you get two shots at him, then th- that's a different story. But... Yeah, I, I'm excited. I think uh, it just 44% rostered. I think that should still climb up quite a bit just because the upside, you know, in the minors, he had 81 strikeouts and in 60 innings uh, across AA and AAA with a 239 ERA and a .98 whip. So make no mistake, the, the ceiling is very high here. I actually dropped for context, and I might regret admitting this, but I, I dropped Logan Allen, his teammate, to grab him just because I, I couldn't afford to miss on the upside. And Allen's looked pretty human with the exception of that, that one 10 strikeout outing against the Orioles. So, yeah. I, I, anything else to add on Gavin Williams there, Steve, or do we want to keep rolling? No, I I think I agree, but I don't know. I, I, I think I still like Williams uh, long-term, too. I probably would prefer... Uh, I definitely prefer Williams long term, but um, rest of the season, I don't know. I, I think Logan Allen is better than the few uh, tough results that he's had the last two times out. Yeah, I mean it, it's an interesting one. It, he's he's dropped a little, like on Nick's uh, list on on pitcher list. Logan Allen right now is 69th on the list, mm-hmm. um, so he's just in front of a name like J.P. France, uh, even Ranger Suarez, who I know has looked good, uh, but he's behind, you know, like Domingo Herman, Michael Kopech. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where Gavin Williams falls in that list because not too far up above I'd imagine that. higher than that. What, what's that? that? I'd imagine he Williams is above that, probably in like the 50 to 60 range at least. Yeah, I we'll see. There, there's some good yeah. names in the 60s, including... Yeah. AJ Smith Shaver, who's the next one that we wanted to talk about. So, did they ever start that game against the Phillies tonight? I feel like they that was not. delayed. It, for... it is postponed. Dang. Um, and he is now starting Friday. Um, and I believe that is versus. The Reds? The Reds, yes. Okay. So, that's in uh, Cincinnati as, as well. So, something to, to watch for with Smith Shaver there. But. He's looked pretty good recently, Steve. Um, you know, the strikeouts haven't really been up to where we wanted them, but against Washington and Colorado, not in cores, so some pretty light matchups there as well. Uh, you know, back-to-back quality starts. Uh, did pretty good on on kind of controlling base runners. The whip was like at a 1-1 one, one, um, in that time, but just eight, eight strikeouts in 11 innings across those two starts, so... Talk to me about Smith Shaver. I know this was a name that was on your radar even prior to him getting called up, and it's been kind of meh so far. But mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like you said, you, you can't overreact too much. So, talk to me about Smith Shaver. Kind of interested in your uh, analysis of of Smith Shaver versus Gavin Williams because they're kind of in that same range. Um, the Nationals low-key don't strike out, so that, you know, despite being a a really good offense to face uh, as a pitcher. Um, you know, you, you could be fooled because they just don't really strike out that much. Um, yeah, I, my, my, my expectations are tempered a little bit just because, you know, the swing strike rates from single A and double A of, you know, 16.5% have dropped to 11.6% in double in triple A and only 12 innings and then 10.7% um, in 13 LB innings. So not you know, the elite, elite swing and miss stuff. But, I mean, there's been some good contact expression, good ground ball rate. Hasn't walked as many batters as he did um, in, 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 the, in, in the upper levels of the minors this year. So there's some encouraging things. And, you know, I know he got uh, in, his, in his first appearance, there was a relief appearance. He had a few strikeouts. So, um, you know, it's, it's another good fastball. The slider's... You know, uh, the pitch that he's throwing uh, 30% of the time is located well down in the way. Um, the fastball is catching a little bit too much of the zone. Um, you know, you'd probably want to see that elevated a bit more. 
Um, and maybe that will be the key to some more swing and misses. But if there's a team that's going to get the most out of this arsenal, uh, it's the Braves. And I think that this might be a little bit of a buying opportunity because it's been a bit of a underwhelming starts and all these other shiny new names have come up. But, you know, there's no denying the amount of strikeouts that he had in the minors. And there could be some more untapped potential with that swing and miss stuff. Uh if he could figure out what he was doing in the Myers and translate some of that to the major leagues, because you know the fastball and the slaughter are good, and that's uh, a, a good start. Uh, basically, the start that I would want for any one of my pitchers when when building one. Yeah, one thing to note: uh, the next guy we'll talk about as well. Spoiler alert: Emmett Sheehan, Sheehan, Smith, Shaver, and Gavin Williams all threw seventy innings more or less last year. Mm-hmm. And while Gavin Williams is now, after tonight's start, at like 66 innings on the season, because Smith Shaver was kind of used in that bullpen role, he's got a little bit less of a workload on him so far, where he's only thrown, I think, like around 45, 50 innings. So if you're concerned about kind of the, you know, the, the early hook and games or just an innings limit as we get deeper into the season, I think it could be kind of interesting where... You know, if if the Braves follow the the path that they did for Spencer Strider, they were comfortable letting him go. What like 125, 130 innings? Yeah, they basically the threw it out year. the window at the end. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. for Smith Shaver, he's only got 50, so that would be, you know, almost a full slate. Whereas if if Williams or Sheehan, they wanted to limit those guys, have been kind of worked a little bit more so far this year. But yeah, I think Smith Shaver and Williams. I don't know if it's a coin flip. I, I, I really do want to see Williams just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Do, do you lean one way or another? Smith Shaver's rostered at 58%, so a little bit more than Gavin Williams, but that might just be kind of a lag on like fab runs and everything. Uh, what do you think between the two, Steve? I'd probably lean Williams just because of the schedule and you know a little bit better stuff all around. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 closer than than you think and just regarding like any of those limits like i know all these these teams say they have these limits and, and they want to protect these guys and they do the best to protect them but like like what happened with strider last year like everyone thought he was going to get shut down and like essentially like the braves were good were too good and he was too good for that like they forced their hands like for yuri perez like if the marlins are fighting for a playoff spot and he's just absolutely dominating like they're not going to not throw him. Like uh, they'll figure out a way, whether they, they go a six man or mm-hmm. or you know do a bullpen day or something like that. Yeah, to, tinker to with the all star like, break, like give him an extra like few weeks off. If guys are if guys are good enough, that they'll force their hands. Like you know do a phantom IL stint or something, so they 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 skip a start in, in theory or something like that. Um, you know if guys are good enough, like it's not a concern. Um, sure, if teams are out of it, so you know, maybe with the Guardians, um, that could be the case there. That that becomes more of a risk, but especially for teams that are in the playoffs and going to the playoffs, if if a guy's forcing their hand, they're going to pitch. Yeah, yeah, and I guess by that school of thought, I mean Cal Quantrill does come back in a couple of weeks. I know Tristan McKenzie isn't going to be back until sometime in August. So I don't know. Part of me thinks that. The Indians are going to, I'm sorry, the Guardians are going to make some sort of move. I still do it. Yeah. Uh, they're going to make some sort of move where they deal, you know, even if it's like a Savali or a Quantrill or something, but they have such a good batch of these young arms that it feels like the, the next wave for them. And it's like, you know, a team like the Cardinals that clearly needs pitching and has a surplus of kind of major league ready bats, I, I could definitely see them making a move. Um, but that said, yeah, I think there might be a little bit more of innings uh, stability with with Sheehan or with uh, uh, Smith Shaver just because the Braves are in the hunt. We saw it with Strider, and they have a little bit less mouths to feed with in terms of the, the rotation. So let's shift over to Emmett Sheehan, though, who also has, has come up. And you can't look much better than basically throwing a no-hitter through six innings at least, which is what he did against the Giants. Again, he just had three strikeouts, so... Left a little bit to be desired there because in the uh, double A where he got called up from, 
He had had uh, across 10 starts of 14.85K per nine. So <laughs> just a ridiculous video game numbers stint in AA to start the year. And yeah, now we, we check out what's going on with Sheehan. Six foot five, gets really good extension. The fastball he throws 70% of the time. Uh, but he also has a really good changeup as well. And yeah, another name that's in this grouping, Steve, where it's like, you know, we'll see what he does against the Astros on Friday, but just 33% rostered makes you wonder kind of how he fits in as well with Gavin Williams and, and Smith Shaver. Yeah, another potential opportunity here. Like, the Dodgers desperately need someone to take this rotation spot and run with it. Um, they just haven't done it. Gavin Stone was lit up. Um, Michael Grove, I think, is pitching today, but behind an opener and hasn't been good. So, there is just opportunity um, for Sheehan. And I, I think despite the fact that he didn't have the whiffs, I think he still potentially does. Um, I, I know Eno Saris uh, talked about it on uh, this week's Rate and Barrels on the Prospect Show with uh, the Welsh and DVR about um, using the uh, our friend of the pods, Alec Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard to get uh, the implied vertical break because there's been comps to Sheehan's fastball to Joe Ryan's uh, because he does get that extension from a low release point, which is uh, what makes him and Joe Ryan's fastball unique. So there's an IVB. uh, I think it's implied vertical break. um, And Sheehan's is elite. It's like 18 inches of an implied vertical break, which like very few guys uh, are able to get uh, on the fastball. So he has that. He has that elite fastball that deceptive fastball that you know comes with more velocity like joe ryan has that amazing fastball at what like 92 93 94 this year uh he averaged 95 6 with the fastball uh in his first outing so wow with that you know ryan wasn't viewed as this like whiff guy and these whiffs sort of just came out of nowhere because of how good and how tricky his fastball is um that potentially could be the case with Sheehan, like I could see a Joe Ryan like end of 2020 uh 2021 run uh with Sheehan here uh for for uh for for the Dodgers just because that fastball's good, he's got a really good changeup. Uh the slider isn't bad either. So um there's potential. I I think it's probably the most risky out of the three. Yeah, the control, the control yeah. is definitely a question mark. And I don't know about the you know, it's basically he's just kind of just guaranteed one more start. Uh, it looks like, uh, and that's a, a tough ask uh, versus the Astros, even without Alvarez. Um, so we'll see. Um, but maybe it's the most risk, but I think maybe the most immediate high upside, um, if that's if that's true. Like it's a, it's a it's a pretty good pitch mix. Like the the fastball up, uh, the changeup down and away. Um, slider's a bit. Uh, worrisome and kind of caught it the middle of the zone caught some of the up areas of the zone but maybe if he can get that down away and get some more swing and misses there that that could lead to uh, the whiffs and the strikeouts yeah it, it's a really good group I think if you know everyone needs starting pitching this time of year so if any of these guys are available change that right away but um, yeah to order them I think I'll, I would probably go in, in this order, Steve, Gavin Williams, Smith Shaver, and then Sheehan, but I agree with everything you said, and Sheehan could take it and run with it. So watch it closely on Friday with the Astros, and especially walk, watch the control because of the three. He's had kind of the shakiest walks per nine, um, and I know the projections kind of have him up there too, around like high threes, even four walks per nine, which could be troublesome, uh, but... That is the grouping of pitchers. We got a bunch of hitters that we are going to talk about, including a three-pack of catchers. But we are going to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, Steve. So it's been kind of the theme. You know, we're, we're done with the catcher carousel. There's a lot of uh, catchers that are kind of in the back of that, you know, one-catcher league, viable discussion. Jonah Heim with his breakout, still kind of the – you know, the good reliables with the exception, unfortunately for you, of, of Wilson Contreras. Uh, but we've got three catchers to talk about here that have, you know, all kind of fit the criteria of rookies or prospects. And the first one, Yaner Diaz with the Astros, 
just 9% rostered, but man, he is lighting the world on fire for the Astros. And what's probably most exciting is that he's getting a lot of run at DH as well. So that's kind of solidified some playing time for him. But in 36 games, he's hitting 281 with six homers and 804 OPS. He has three homers in the last five games. Uh, he doesn't walk all that much, but also doesn't strike out that much. And he's batting kind of in the heart of the order for the Astros. He's been hitting fifth lately. So, yeah, Yanir Diaz. What do we think here um, for kind of the long-term and short-term if you need catcher help? I was close to dropping Wilson Contreras for Yanir Diaz um, earlier this week. Um, and my league mate uh, ended up picking him up. And I think he's hit home runs in back-to-back days. And Wilson is... Still struggling. I know he had three hits on Tuesday night and had a few hard hit balls today, but it just does not look like it's going to happen for for Wilson this year. So I am kicking myself for not making that move. Maybe that's short-sighted, and Wilson will have a a better second half. But right now, I'm regretting it. Um, And Diaz looks really, really good. And even when Jordan comes back, like they're going to have to find a way to either play him at first and platoon him with the Brave or something or get him some more appearances behind the dish and use like Maldonado as like a late inning defensive replacement or something like that. If they don't trust them too much behind the plate, but, um, dude, I did not realize the pop. Yeah. Like last year in a hundred games in the minors, he had 27 homers or 25 homers. Like this is legit power in Houston. Um, I feel like his prospect grades, don't really do it justice, like looking at his numbers in the minors and what he showed so far. Um, curious if like the barrel rate and stuff is kind of keeping pace with how good it looks on the surface. But yeah, I just am kicking myself for not having more shares. Yeah, same. Um, 14.4% yeah. barrel rate. I know it's a really small sample I, size, but wow. I'm hoping balls. that he hasn't been scooped up in some of my two catcher leagues. Like I'm, Running out like Eric Haas, who's been okay. Um, but I expect him to be a, a decent fab bid. If he hasn't been already, I think he was scooped up in a lot of those, though, um, last weekend or even the weekend before. Yeah, just 9% rostered again there for Yaner Diaz. And, yeah, like I said, I think he's gotten scratched like once out of the last nine games, and he's already playing some DH. So, yeah, they're going to have to find a way to keep him in here. Uh, and the average that comes with the homers, it's just a really good kind of 5 by 5 uh, player makeup there. Let's shift to asking the Cardinal fan himself who would you rather have rest of the season, Yaner Diaz or Wilson Contreras? Well, if we could fire Ali Marmol, I think it would change everything for everyone. But dude, right now I would I would go Diaz and then just ride it. Like it goes back to those breakdowns of like not only what do you think the production's going to be, but also do you think Contreras would get added immediately by another manager? And that's that's the thing is I I don't think probably would. you you probably, think he would just because okay. catcher is such a brutal spot and it's a yeah it's I don't a, know I mean it looks so good under the hood I guess for, in the one catcher league yeah right it's like Contreras still under the hood it, I, it, I'm banking on this London series to be like twenty to eighteen games over the weekend for the Cardinals to get them all right yeah yeah I mean. Everything looks really similar to to past seasons in terms of like the barrel rate, the hard hit rate, it, you know, the plate discipline. Yeah, I, I think he's been pretty unlucky um, when you look at some of those metrics and everything. But yeah, I guess uh, it's tough to ride. But we were in the same spot with Brendan Donovan, Steve, and look at him, you know, just blossoming into the player we thought he would be he's hitting like over 300 in the past month we just had to drop him for him to go off like this so yeah yeah you can't go wrong i i I think you can either uh ride it out or if if diaz is available i I would be okay making that switch especially because there's catchers kind of popping up which is what we're talking about with these next guys Henry Davis is is the next one for the Pirates. Look at the Pirates and the Reds just like giving us stuff to talk about. Uh, but Davis, the first overall pick in the 2021 draft out of Louisville. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much raw power here that, that people are excited about for good reasons. 
51 games in, in across AA and AAA this season, 11 homers and nine steals. I don't think the, the speed you can really bank on, but definitely the pop. He is plus-plus raw power, 70 grade. Um, and unlike uh, Diaz, Henry Davis walks a ton, so very good in like a points league format. Um, and again, kind of like Diaz with the DH, but for Henry Davis, manager talked about how he'll play a lot in the outfield, um, and they'll kind of mix him in at catcher, I think. So, yeah, playing time should not be as much of a concern where this might be kind of that Eric Haas type of, uh, you know, cheat code where you can still drop him in in the catcher slot but get everyday playing time. So roster ship is already skyrocketing at 45%. But, Steve, give me the rundown on uh, Henry Davis. I believe this was one that uh, Shelly had talked about when when we had her on talking about Bo Naylor and and Henry Davis here at catching. Yeah, I think it was like her favorite of the 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 catching prospects, and I, I think with good reason. Like, you know, it it, it might not be as polished. I mean, Adley is such a ridiculous and like amazing, yeah, polished, ma- mature, hitting, yeah, yeah, mature hitter that it's almost unfair to compare him, but. The closest thing I think, as far as hitting catching prospect wise, is is this, and you know there was much lower uh, swing strike and 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 K rates in the minors than for for Adley uh, than Henry Davis, but it's not bad. I mean, uh, other than his like first year in pro ball, which is kind of um, you know unfair to judge him on. The K rate's been very palatable, like around you know as anywhere from like 13 to 22 percent um at any stop since the minors uh triple a um it was just 24 percent but he walked 17 percent of the time so um or close to 18 percent of the time actually and that came with a 229 iso had a 264 iso in double a this year um so really really uh impressive stuff as a hitter and honestly i kind of like the fact that he's playing in the outfield just because you know they'll find a way to get his bat in the lineup every day uh you know catch here and there and sort of learn that on the fly on the majors and then dh would play the outfield so uh and i think they got carlos santana playing first base too so maybe they get him some first base too to get him in the lineup so it seems like the the pirates are going to play him and this this bat plays and i think it's a great option uh at catcher for anyone struggling there yeah, and moving to the third one here is Bo Naylor, who's another kind of uh, beloved catcher prospect across the community. And we were wondering when Naylor would, would finally get the call, and he has in the past week. Uh, he's actually, uh, I think tonight, yeah, got his first uh, first hit. So congrats to Bo Naylor. Um, he's a guy who offers a little bit more speed than Henry Davis, but a little bit less power. Uh, that said, Bo Naylor's also put up really good numbers in the minors. Um, and I think, you know, one other note is that he is playing catcher. So I think there might be a little bit more frequent scratches for Bo Naylor. Uh, but, and he's batting ninth in the order, unlike Davis, who's batting in like the five, six, seven type of range. But yeah, Naylor in AAA 60 games this season had 13 homers, uh, hitting 253. And an OPS that was uh, right around 900. So, yeah, uh, a lot to like here about Naylor as, as well, Steve. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on this one? Do we think this is more two catcher leagues, or are we seeing enough upside to where we would take a shot even at the back of one catcher leagues? I think in the back of one catcher leagues, it's worth a shot, especially what's with what you're rostering down there. You know, uh, guys like Tyler Stevenson have been frustrating. I could see making that swap there. Same with like Wilson Contreras too. Um, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't blame you for trying to chase this and jumping on the catcher carousel and hoping you can stay on the ride with Bo Naylor. It's it's an intriguing profile. You know, he's playing with his brother in his lineup, which you know it's more soft analysis, but that's got to be really really cool for them. Yeah, um, and Josh is like picking up and getting multiple RBIs every night and he homered again tonight uh, so that, that that's cool for them and I, I think it's worth a shot uh, definitely in two catcher leagues uh, probably in deeper one catcher leagues too uh, in the back end if you need to try and catch lightning in the bottle uh, if you're struggling at the catcher position yeah and for for Naylor 
I just don't want to gloss over that when I say he's got less power, I mean, he's definitely been on paces in the minors where yeah. it looks like he's every bit of a 30 home run hitter when you're looking at, you know, multiple stints in AAA where he's basically played 60 games and he's halfway to 30 homers. So, yeah, there's, there is legit pop here. Um, and the hit tool is pretty good as well, where I think, um, you know, I think 240, 250 is reasonable and he's got some wheels man i saw him stretch Stephen kwan had like a single and he was full sprint from first to third base and he was moving so i think you might get some steals peppered in there as well so yeah i i like all three of these i guess how would you how would you rank the list steve between yaner diaz henry davis and, and bo naylor rest of the season i think i would go in that order i would go diaz davis and naylor um all pretty close. I just like Diaz's line of context and like proof of concept so far with the six home runs already. Uh, yeah. I think it's up to seven now uh, today. Uh, so uh, it's close, but uh, I- I'd go the order we, we went over. Them. Diaz. Yeah, hard Davis. to argue. And Diaz just yeah. 9% rostered again. That's, yeah, criminally yeah, under rostered there. Yeah. yeah. And then Naylor at 14% probably could go up as well. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, let's move to uh, a couple other hitters in the mix here. Michael Garcia, Steve, we were talking about him last week for the Royals, who was just popping up on all of our our Immaculate Grid charts. And, (laughs) yeah, Garcia, we were already liking the the upside there. And then in the week since our last show, he's gone out and hit 417 with a 1084 OPS. Uh, He's now hitting 282 on the season. Two homers, seven steals, so ma- mainly kind of that average speed combo. Uh, but he's moving up in the order as well. I know we talked about with Vinny P out that he could scoot up toward like the, the front of that order, and he's been hitting around five in the order in, in the past week or so. So, yeah, Michael Garcia, I think I know we talked about him last show, but wanted to uh, open the floor here, just say – you know, another guy that's probably not rostered in enough leagues, especially with the uh, position eligibility at third and shortstop. Yeah, this is a really, really exciting player. And I think the fact that he is just 4% rostered is going to change very, very quickly. Like, this guy does a lot of things really well. He does not chase, he hits the ball super hard. Um, He plays great defense, Um, he doesn't swing and miss. Um, like basically all the things that you, that you asked for. Yeah, sure, you would like the barrel rate to go up uh, a, a little bit, but you know it, it's just seven point three percent in one hundred ten batted balls. But you know, a hot night of two barrels completely changes that number. He's had, he doesn't have uh, the full sample size. He's only had one hundred sixty two total plate appearances um, this year. Um, seven steals to go along with the, those two homers and the, this hot month that he's been having. Like, uh, I, I'm I'm very very excited about Michael Garcia. The, the the process behind him is is super is super strong, and it seems like this could be like a profile that you know all the the pitcher list the and savant sliders are, are, are really strong, and you know uh, when, you, when you play the game and post it in the picture. And, you guess who it is and it's oh wow uh, Mikel Garcia uh, uh, I, I think all the process is there and it's only a matter of time before he's rostered in a lot more leagues so if you need any sort of CI or MI help like I think Mikel Garcia is a really really strong ad yeah he really doesn't strike out much at all um, and that's one of the best parts about him with just uh yeah, I know 22%, but it's looked even better lately. Um, just, yeah, six strikeouts in the past couple of weeks. So really nice for, for Garcia and somebody who at age 23, I think we're still, you know, ex, ex, just discovering what the, the ceiling is for him. But I think, yeah, that's it's a high floor with the plate discipline and that average and, and the speed to go along with it and, and the position eligibility. So really like it there for Michael yeah. Garcia. The rolling K percentage tells a great story. Like he wasn't striking out that much. The league making an adjustment. He was striking out a good amount, um, you know, for like a hundred plate appearances or so. And it's just been a steady decline in these last few weeks uh, of him just, you know, figuring adjusting back and, and 
and not striking out as much anymore. So it seems like he's adjusted back. Um, the hard hit percentage has started to go up uh, again too. Um, you know, same with like the the woba. Uh, so it's it's been uh, it's been a good few weeks, and I think more good to come with uh, the process that Miguel Garcia has gone. Yeah, and uh, moving to outfield, but similar excitement with kind of the speed and the the hit tool. Luis Matos, who I know we talked about right now, he's rostered in 37% of Yahoo leagues, but this is another guy who's just not going to hurt you with strikeouts at all. Uh, Across his 19 at-bats, he's just got one strikeout so far. And, um, yeah, he's, he's finding his way onto the bases as well. He's got six walks in this span. And, you know, he's one for one tonight, but overall, so far, Matos is hitting 263, and he was a pretty big prospect. Like, when he got called up, I think it was quicker than some people expected, but uh, in, in AAA this year across 24 games, so small sample size, he was batting 400 um, with just a 6.9% strikeout rate. So this is another guy, Steve, that I think is – is really exciting, offers some speed on the base pass, also some pop as well. So he's kind of like, I don't know if, if, if it's fair to throw out like a prime Michael Brantley in terms of like the upside, but definitely has that like, you know, squeaky clean plate discipline and the potential for like a, even like a 2020, um, if the power can can follow at least. Because I think, I think the speed is there and I think the average is there, but really excited about Matos for the Giants and... Yeah, there, he's another guy who's kind of in the middle of the lineup. I know the first, his debut, he was hitting second, which was really exciting. Then they moved him down to eighth. Lately, he's been hitting either sixth or fifth in the in the order. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, the 21-year-old here for the Giants, Luis Matos? Uh, not to throw it to cold water, but I was thinking more like Stephen Kwan with, you know, non-zero pop. Uh, okay, you know, so maybe, maybe more like 10 to 15 than yeah, like 20. Yeah. That that I think is more of the the upside, which is still a really good player. I mean, he struck out at AAA. He struck out six point nine percent of the times in one hundred and sixteen plate appearances. So, I, I mean, what's that? That's like eight strikeouts uh, in one hundred sixteen plate appearances. That's that's great. You know, that's uh, you know, Joe DiMaggio didn't strike out in uh, four hundred at bats back in my day. Uh, plate discipline, you know. Um, so. Uh, it, it, it's it's really good contact skills. I mean, he's still only struck out I mean, with four percent this time. It's the one strikeout in the the twenty five at bats or plate appearances. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's hit a ball one hundred and three point four miles an hour already. Um, yeah, doesn't chase, makes a lot of contact. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 decent. I guess that that maxi V isn't too crazy. I'm trying to see if they have one for. Uh, the minor leagues, yeah, 107.5, so a little bit more. Um, you know, that's decent. I, you know, it's probably what 30 or 40 percentile just off the top of my head. Um, yeah, which you know, but, I think yeah, 108, Brant, 108 is, is probably like, overshooting the the pop a little. Yeah, bit. and like, but 108 shows that you could probably hit 10 to 15 home runs. I think it's like a it's like a it's like a threshold. It's like 108 is a threshold, and like 112 is another threshold. 110, you know, around there. So. Um, definitely non-zero pop. I think uh, he had uh, 15 homers in, in single A, 11 homers in high A, um, 10 um, in his two stops this year. So pretty good. And then the 15 steals are, are nice. Um, so I, I like the profile. Definitely think he's worthy of a roster spot, uh, especially anything with more than um, um, three outfield three outfielders uh, in my turf league where. I had a decent amount of money to spend that I was talking about last week. I was able to kind of like overpay a bit. Uh, I, not too much. I spent like 80 or 85 bucks uh, on Luis Matos this weekend. I'm not regretting it. Like he's been in my lineup, uh, no question. So I uh, think he could be a solid contributor, um, like a Quan type with a little bit more power, which is which is good. Yeah, I think I grabbed him as well. Yep, and uh... – my TGFBI league, I got him for 79. So same nice. same kind of range there. Uh, nice. So that rounds out kind of the, the hitter list. Again, the three-pack of catchers there with Yanir Diaz, Henry Davis, Bo Naylor, and then uh, Michael Garcia, third and short for the Royals, who we really like, and Luis Matos, 
who's rostered quite a bit more, but a, a lot of potential there with the, the batting average, plate discipline, and some speed on the base paths. Uh, we're getting into the next wave. Potential stash candidates, some guys who are kind of buzzing on Twitter and we're patiently waiting for the call-up. And we'll get to those names after this next ad break. All right, so Steve, got to start it out with, with the stash that I'm currently holding on to. Along with 32% of all leagues in Yahoo, it's Christian Encarnacion Strand. First base, third base for the Cincinnati Reds. If only they would call him up. Uh, it seems like he is doing everything under the sun to make the case there. Uh, 49 AAA games. He has 17 home runs. Uh, quick math there. That's about a 50 homer pace. Hitting 345 at the dish to go with the all that pop. And even his plate discipline has uh, just skyrocketed where there was a lot of criticism that, you know, there were a lot of strikeouts, not that many walks. Uh, saw Scott White tweet that in his first 28 games in the minors, he had th- just three walks and 36 strikeouts. And then in the past 15 games at the time of the tweet, 18 walks and nine strikeouts. So completely revamped that. Uh, the hard part for Strand at this point, or Encarnacion Strand, is the playing time with Vado coming back. Seemingly every single Reds hitter is going off. It kind of makes you wonder if there's going to be a trade or what they can do to, to work his bat into the lineup if he does get the call. But what do you think on CES here, Steve? Is, is this uh, the top stash prospect uh, currently in, in redraft? Talk to me about your view on uh, Encarnacion Strand. Um, probably. Um, it's just strange because the Reds have promoted, like, everybody. Um you know, Matt McLean, um, Ellie, Ellie uh, you know, Spencer Steers broke camp. Uh, it's just like, like what, like why, why do haven't they called him up yet? Like what else? Does and he Will, have to do? Will Benson's a rookie as well. Yeah, Will Benson. The ball? Yeah, um, I think they played in Garcia Strand in, in in the outfield too, um, a bit. Uh, yeah, they started moment. trying him out there in Triple A. So. Yeah, yeah, he's played first. He's played third. He's played left field. He's played right field. Uh, only one game, um, in each in each spot. But you got to think they would find a way. Um, and I guess Votto complicates it a, a, a bit there. But I mean, he's had a fifty percent hard hit rate. He's hit the ball one hundred fourteen miles an hour. Um, you know, it's uh, he's had back to back years one hundred sixty eight WRC plus and double A with Minnesota. And then traded this year, uh, I believe he was part of the Tyler Male trade, um, if that's correct. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, a 166 WRC plus this year. Like He hasn't had WRC plus uh, below 125 in his 35 games uh, with Cincinnati after the trade last year. So that was his worst WRC plus since you know, coming into professional ball, which is crazy. Like, this guy just hits, like, you know, you you need to create the is Vinny Pascontino up yet account. You need to create the is CES up yet. Like, I, I don't get it. Like this guy in American Ballpark. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm sold. All he's going to do is is hit home runs. Uh, I don't know why he is not up. Yeah, and at this point, I don't know if uh, they're just trying to kind of raise trade value for some of the outfielders like that's the problem is they're all hitting like tj will myers like like yeah 11 game win streak like i mean fraley could be a path but fraley crush these kids righty really well yeah yeah past couple weeks fraley's got a 12 33 ops like it's really tough to just see where the path is but it's also like unfathomable and he's also not a young prospect either i think he's like what i think he's, is he 23 or 24 he is 23 uh 23 and a half he was born in 93 or 99 yeah or 99 yeah yeah okay so that's encarnacion strand i mean i think you'd have to bet that it's before all-star break right i would think so i think it could be like any any time honestly or like any injury um yeah, he he's he he's up. Like he has got to be the the 
the next man up. Yeah, he, he he's a college guy. Um, he went to Oklahoma State, so that's drafted in the fourth round by the Twins in 2021. So, uh, yeah, he's, like, ready to go. You know, 23, uh, the, there's no no reason why he should be in the minors. It's time. It's, yeah. it's confusing. And, and, and yeah. yeah, organization, context, like, everything else they're doing suggests, like, you know, that the philosophy would be to call him up and let him cook. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's Encarnacion Strand there. Shifting over to a couple Orioles to round out the show. This is another one, Steve, where it's like, are they manipulating, trying to raise some trade value? Because Jorge Mateo, as much as he's been kind of a, a staple of Winsbuff fantasy, he has been pretty terrible mm-hmm. in, in the past couple months, honestly, after a really hot start to the season. But right now he's blocking, along with Adam Frazier, blocking Jordan Westberg who is third base shortstop, uh, and Westberg is arguably, I've seen on some of the pitcherless prospect reports, that he's the number one stash. In 62 games in the minors, a two ninety one average, 17 homers, 5 steals, a nine forty one OPS. And yeah, it's another one of those things where it's like, what does he have to do uh, to get called up? He's another one who's not like a 20-year-old prospect or anything. Like It feels like now is the time. He's making great plays in the field as well. And a lot of people are just kind of saying they're they're hoping Mateo bounces back so that he can be traded off near the deadline. But very frustrating there. And then Colton Kowser is the other one in outfield where Kowser is hitting 341. This is a guy who a lot of scouts love Kowser. Uh, eight homers, six steals, a 1019 OPS. So not quite kind of the power of Westberg, but definitely the hit tool and the speed as well. Uh, Kowser takes a little bit more of a walk than Westberg. So both of these guys seem like really good stash candidates. And, and, you know, it would make sense for the Orioles to continue with the youth movement. But right now it just kind of seems like in a way they're blocked. Uh, But again, you would have to imagine by like, I guess, certainly end of July, um, but maybe something needs to happen for, for playing time to open up here. Uh, what are your thoughts between Westberg and Kowser on the skills and also, you know, if, if you feel like they're going to get called up sooner than later or not? How cool would it be if the Orioles just on the same day announced that they were promoting Westberg, Kowser, and bringing back Grayson Rodriguez, who seems like he's turned a corner um, uh-huh. in, in the minor leagues. I believe he pitched again tonight. Um, I'll have to look up how he did there. Um, but, like, yeah, like the Orioles are what? They, I think they have, like, the second or third best league record in the American League. I know they're in second in the division because the Rays are ahead of them. But, like, there's, it's go time for them. Like, as much as, you know, uh, I, I like Mateo and, you know, know he has hot stretches, um, you know, had a hot stretch after a cold stretch last year and plays good defense, so uh, I, I, I wouldn't put that behind him. But, you know, there's no reason, I think, to um, keep him down, uh, keep these guys down in favor of Mateo. Like, you know, you can get good enough defense uh between the rest of the guys. I don't know, maybe the, the struggles of Jordan Henderson, of um, Gunnar Henderson, showed that, you know, they, these guys might not be as ready as they seem despite the eye-popping numbers, um, and, and that's a lesson there. But the, it just looks like it's time for, like, the Orioles to promote all these guys and, like, start to go after, like, winning divisions and championships. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, that, that would just be super, like, you know, if you, if you could write it out in the movie, like you promote those three guys at the same time, um, and, and, and you know, you kind of announce that the future's here for Baltimore. Uh, I went to school in Baltimore. Um, I really like when the O's are good. Um, so uh, I, I'm rooting for it. Uh, I, I hope they're up soon. Yeah, and honestly, it's not as much of a it's not as much of a log jam as it is with the Reds because there's plenty of paths here like Adam Frazier has been really bad yeah. uh you know he's coming up on 32 years old Aaron Hicks like them signing Hicks is just bizarre um and you know a 34 year old there really that could good be room for, for them, which is pretty crazy oh I know but like Frazier hasn't 
uh, Mateo yeah. has. Yeah. I don't know what Ramon Urias has been doing. Um, Hurt and not great. Yeah, I guess like yeah, past week he's he's hitting 190. So it's like, is it is it that hard to see that their roster is kind of split up by guys who are good and part of the future plans, and then guys that are just kind of you know patch jobs that aren't you know part of the the project. So and then pitching, I mean. Obviously, there's tons of room there for Grayson to get called up. It looks like in his start tonight, he went four and a third. Uh, one earned run, I think four strikeouts and three walks. So, three walks. So uh, the, yeah, solid. You know, he, had, he had two starts before that where he had like 10 and 11 strikeouts. So not yeah. nearly uh, the amazing performance that, that he's been on. But, hey, still better than what he was in his last three starts uh, in, the, in the minors. Yeah. Kowser hit another home run there, by the, by the way. Man. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's any of the either, you know, we talked about Encarnacion Strand, but Westberg, Kowser, the second they get the call, is, is that must roster in your eyes? I, I, I think so. I think so. They also have Connor Norby, too, who's who's been, who, who's no slouch himself. Um, yeah. Maybe not as, uh, as eye popping of a numbers, but he did have, uh, uh, a 960 OPS uh, with 17 home runs in Double A in 2020, uh, 2022 uh, has eight homers, four steals, and a 791 OPS this year uh, in 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 Triple A. So bring um, all four of them up. You yeah, know? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it a thing. It. Uh, it's it. a it's a hungry franchise for sure. It's like it's really cool seeing what you know the Pirates the. The Orioles, the Reds, like these are franchises that deserve this, and you just hope for the good of the game that you know they'll make the right, right move for the fans, the right move for development, all that good stuff. But yeah, we'll we'll stay tuned. I think these are all guys at least to to have a very close radar on. Uh, you know, search Twitter on the mornings to see if there's any updates or rumblings on you know people booking a flight and all the rumor mills and all that stuff. But yeah, good list there for uh, the potentials, and that rounds out the rundown here, but also just a, a really good list here, Steve. I feel like, again, this is just the time of the year where it's like you're not really going to find this upside with your typical names out on like a standard 12 or 15 team league, uh, so you kind of got to be quick on, on making the ads and, and hoping it works out, but it's, it's kind of worth you know the shot even if it misses is my view on it so i think almost all these names are, are worth a speculative ad and uh yeah. you know watch closely even in on leagues the ones where it's like weekly weekly ads and you don't have like a stash spot like it's worth adding these guys now uh, and hoping that they come up if you can stash them for a week or two yep absolutely yeah especially if you're in a kind of promising spot in the league standings and everything or if you, you need to make the jump you know I know that's yeah, harder true. to do and waste the bunch spot, but sometimes you need to try and catch lightning in the ball that way too. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Episode 105, as always, great having you guys with us. We'll be on next Thursday and every Thursday throughout the rest of the season. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I am at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. We'll have some fun shows coming up. Probably get into that underdog fantasy and give you guys a little midseason draft recap. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's everything we got. Feel free, as always, to email the show with any topics or questions you have. WinsAboveFantasy at gmail.com. But that wraps us for episode 105. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.